Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. Back here with Craig, Kyle, and Scott, your regular hosting crew. Are we hosts or co-hosts? I always get confused about that. We all are hosts. We're all equal, Scott. Co-ing. We're three co-hosts together again. Here we are. Uh, well, well, welcome. I'm glad you guys made it. Well, welcome. Four degrees this morning. Goodness. Four degrees and the wind is howling. Wind chill probably feels like minus 50, but it's probably minus stupid, 15 yeah. or 20. I enjoy winter. I don't really enjoy four degrees. Nope. So anybody who's like, I love winter, give me some cold weather, flannel season. Four degrees? Yeah. Cold? Yeah, Ooh, no I, I'd love to hear from you. If that's I, you, send me a text. Let me know. I got all excited about the snow in the mountains this week. Like, hey, there's going to be some good snowboarding. They got dumped on. I, I have a pass at Silver Mountain. They got dumped on Tuesday night. Couldn't even open Wednesday because it was so windy, obviously. Today, they had a delay because it was so cold. Yeah, people like, would die cold. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah. And I don't mind some cold. I've been doing the uh, cold plunge in yeah. Lake Coeur d'Alene. Uh, not recently. I need to get back on the rhythm. Do you need to, though? Yeah, I okay. feel like I do. You don't Anyways, I've done it a few need times. Need is a strong word. Water's 35, 36 degrees. What do you think it is now? Chillier, and then the wind blowing on your face. That good it, luck. The last time I went, we there were some floating ice chunks, and so we, we had fun. You could shove them out of the way. Again, fun. I think is a strong word. Stayed there, in <laughs> that one. We stayed in eight minutes, and it wasn't. It wasn't. The first few seconds are bad, bro. I got some recreational activities for you, like normal people <laughs> stuff. I can introduce fun, you to. My fun is different. I get it. Yeah, you I, are. A I sadistic get it. man. Everyone do your own thing that's fun. I enjoy I mean, no, not long, really. slow runs if on the weekends. Not everybody should do... Yeah, anyway. No, not go like hedonism. <laughs> I didn't suggest that. If you enjoy causing no. people pain, man. Yeah. Just I'm not talking about doing drugs or cocaine or anything hey, like bro, that. Hey, bro, it's fun, man. No. I'll tell you, man, that <laughs> cocaine saying. is... I've heard. If you like quilting, and that's your thing, yes. helps you connect with God. That's a normal, that. that's a normal thing. So yes. it's really cold here right now. <laughs> I'm going to try to save oh, you guys. I don't know. What it's really cold thing? right here and across the United States in the northern tier, but it's they're having record heat down in the south. Oh, I have not been keeping up on the south yet. Well, the, the reason I mention that is there's a 100-degree difference between some of the temperatures in the north and the temperatures in the south. Record highs, record lows is a very weird thing that's going on in the country. That, that doesn't happen very often. It's apocalypse. 100 degrees Into the difference. world. Yeah, there we go. It must be. The world's ending, guys. When the weather Better gets get right crazy. with Jesus, man. Oh, let's go. That's glad people are listening yeah, to the podcast. Following Jesus. Get, it's important. Let's get right with God. Make sure you're good to go with him. Uh, I love it. We're in this open series. We just started on Sunday uh, at Mission Church, so if you're... Listening in, we're talking about open hands, just serving. Um, it kind of goes along with like last week's episode here, talking about who's the greatest in this fight for look at me, look at me, look at me, and God's call for Jesus saying, hey, why don't you just be like kids where they just, kids are, in his era, were servants, basically. They were, have more kids, so you get more stuff done around your farm and your place. So... You know, it's like, be like them in what ways? Trust, humility, but then also just serve. Don't mm-hmm. try to make a name for yourself and worry about who's getting credit. Right? What's that quote? Um, it's amazing what you're going to accomplish if you don't care who gets the credit. Yeah. That's a Craig quote now. I don't even know. I saw other. it on a billboard. Oh, you saw it on a billboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. But Golden yeah, rule breaks, actually, I think it was. Do you feel the need to always quote the person or the place? Because if you did that, I feel like you would be 
after every sentence almost saying it. Like, Dude, I, no, I'm 100% original, man. <laughs> Everything I come up with, <laughs> straight from me. Like, at what point, if you've said it long enough, like, how, how long before you feel like, as a communicator and a speaker, there's that tension of authenticity and, oh, well, Kyle told me. Well, Kyle, half of the things Kyle says, he heard from someone else. Yeah, maybe more than that. And Scott's <laughs> is like 82%, <laughs> you know? So yeah, but speaker, like I think it's okay to be like, hey, I say this all the time because I do, and it's me. It's something that I've adopted into my life, and something that I probably heard somewhere. Because how much of what you know, you didn't yeah, come up with came that from Mike Kingsley yeah. and other voices in your life. You're like, shout I gotta out. keep saying, shout out to Mike. He might be listening. Right? I don't know. Hey, hey, if you say on the golf course though, hold it like a baby bird. As far as a soft grip on your club, oh, you man. better. You There's better so shout many things like when Kingsley. I'm not playing with my dad that Kenny and I'll just say because my dad says it all the time, and it's just. And it's true. Yeah. If it's breezy, swing easy. <laughs> Shout out Mike Kingsley. Because <laughs> that takes the spin off the ball. Club up, takes spin off the ball, cuts through. Anyways, there's science behind it. It really is true. Yeah, I don't I, – I don't, a lot of times we'll be like, hey, I heard a pastor say one time – again, I think we live in a culture that's, you know, we steal each other's stuff, we repost, we do that thing, and, you know – I, and most of the time, I don't think, again, people are really super worried about the credit, right? Like, oh, when I'm preaching, oh, some I need to know that this pastor who pastors this church in this city said this one time, and it was really cool. Like, I'll say, like, hey, I heard I heard it said this way. Yeah, I, I'm with you. How I, long I, for you before you're like, yeah, I quit telling them that's a so-and-so quote? I never was really very good at it. Uh, back in school, you know, when they, you were required to put footnotes. Cited. Yeah. Oh, it just drove me nuts. It's like, hey, if it's a good point and it's true... Why is it so important to say where I got it, right? Because we want to know who's the greatest. We need exactly. credit. But also, I think the, the, and the times that I still will acknowledge my source or the person I'm quoting is if it's controversial or it... It's not me who's <laughs> saying this, bro. It's someone else. No. I didn't come up with this. <laughs> Just letting you I'm, know. This is I'm going to keep stoking it, the fire with this statement. I like it, but, but I didn't say me. it. Yeah, or, or if it pushes a point to an extreme... You know that that m- might solicit a reaction or something. Then, then I'll Do say, you, like in a in a point maybe you don't agree with, but you're just saying this is part of the conversation. Sometimes okay. that, and and other times it's like, um, you know, just just. I mean, I'm quoting that person, so it's not like ah, oh, I'm going to blame it on them. You know, if you have a problem, send them an email. I'm quoting them, and so I'm including their stuff. So. I have to own that, right? So it's not that I'm trying to shove it off on anybody else, but I think sometimes it's it's important for people to realize, oh, okay, well, so this isn't just something that is being said in a vacuum as I'm listening to Craig or whoever it is I'm listening to. There, there's a wider, broader conversation that's going on, and, and you know, maybe it's important for me to take a look at that. So, And I think the I think con- context is key in our our community, right? When When I'm speaking at Mission Church, most people aren't concerned with, oh, it was this commentator who said this and quoting and giving the reference adds value to it to where if I was maybe with a group of pastors or with people who like knew, oh, that one commentator and the work that he did un- unpacking Matthew's gospel was revolutionary to how we understand theology. I may be like, hey, this guy said this. Like, oh, that's cool. But for the most time, like, so when it adds value, it's important. Like, hey, you understand that this guy or this girl or this world changer, right? We do that sometimes. Like, hey, the way they said it was really cool. And they're, oh, that is cool. And what they did added value to their context or to their thing. Um, but I, I think a lot of times it it's not that important. 
it's like it doesn't matter who said it. It doesn't matter who gets the, the credit. And most of the time, people who are saying that aren't like, hey, quote me. I want. I really want you to know that I came up with this because I'm great and I'm important. You think Jesus wants credit when he gets misquoted? There's so many times when people say, oh, in the Bible it says this or God says that. There's few people. I don't do this to very many folks. I'll be like, and where's that? Can you show me? Well, Jesus says, so, because how many times has God been misquoted? And this is what the Bible says, and this is what God says. I'm like, you know what I mean? People will be close. Like, that's one we should probably get right and give some credit to. Versus just taking taking our own. Well, if I keep saying it long enough, like, hey, love others as you want to be loved. That's a a me original. No, I don't think so. We all know where that one came from. Uh, anyways, again, we're, I feel like we're on an aside here, but the open hands thing is just far as serving, uh, going along with the last week's episode and, uh, being like kids. And I mean, kids push back on doing chores or helping out or whatever, but they just go, Oh, that's what we do. We, we are part of the solution here. And sometimes as adults, I think we forget that as far as, Oh, my life is about serving other people and it's not about me and to go out of my way. And I say in the intro all the time, and we say it all the time during the podcast, you know, this is following Jesus' everyday life. So my little, part of my little anecdotal uh, story on that, um, went, to the, went to the pool on Monday morning. Well, I went to the pool this morning, and it was four degrees, you know, it's chillier. So it made me think of the... The pool was four degrees? No, it was, okay. it's probably about 84. It's always real nice. Um, so it made me reflect back to Monday. I went to the pool Monday morning and went there, and it was a holiday. So it was a little bit different. They have a bunch of aqua zumba and boot camps, and then they got this group that meets in the morning, this class, and it's a real busy pool. Like, you can show up at 5 a.m., and it's jamming with lots of things. But all the lanes were open. None of the regular schedule stuff was happening. So I'm getting ready to get in, and this guy walks up, and he's, like, looking for a lane. And so if you don't know pool swimming, there's lane etiquette, you know. There's a bunch of lanes. If you got a share, you can split share, which means you just both swim straight. And then if there's three people, you circle swim. So you go counterclockwise, and there's lane lane etiquette. You know this? Yes, actually, I do, Scott. You're a lifeguard. I felt like you were like setting me up for like I didn't know that. Except no, I just didn't oh. know. Yeah. People listening. Anyways, he shows up, and he's looking around, and I go, oh, hey, you could swim in this one right next to me. This this guy's just getting out. looks open. And he goes, okay. Um Found out later his name's Andy. Andy has Down syndrome. So I was a little more tuned in to, like, he needs some some help. Because he goes, where where are the classes at? And I was like, oh, buddy, it's a holiday. Classes aren't happening. It's a little bit different. I was like, maybe they are. You should talk to the lifeguard. So he puts some stuff down. He's, I feel like he's got stuff on both sides of the pool. He's got stuff right at the lane he's going to get in. He goes, talks to the lifeguard. Then he's getting his, he's like, I got to go get my goggles. So he's got to go get his goggles, which seemed, <laughs> he seemed a little scattered. So by the time he gets all that figured out, I'm in, I'm swimming. He shows up, somebody else had jumped in his lane. Like he'd put his stuff down. So then I, I'm on a rest and he's standing there. He goes, this guy took my lane. And I was like, oh, you can, you can hop in here with me. He's like, he didn't see my stuff. He felt real like offended that you stole my spot. I was like, oh, you can jump in with me, we'll share. So he finally gets his stuff on and uh, kind of a bigger dude, but swimming is always deceiving. You can't point at someone and say good swimmer, bad swimmer. It's such a technical thing, and you displace 92% of your body weight. He jumps in. First stroke, he's doing the breast stroke. Right away, I'm like, dude, I'm, you're, 
you're way better at swimming than me. Like, I don't even try to attempt the breaststroke. It's so hard. He does all the different strokes. He's going back and forth. He's doing like a I am, you know, individual medley thing going on. So anyways, he swims. Uh, and then he had a little drink. And so he hops out. I, I see him hop out getting his gear. And then this is just me being real transparent on the podcast. It's everyday life following Jesus. It's the little stuff added up, you know, time and time again. He leaves his drink there. I see him getting his gear together. Well, I figure he was like, like he was getting in the pool. He's kind of got stuff everywhere. But I felt like God said, go out of your way to serve somebody. Because that's what's been rolling around in my heart for the last week. Just open hands. And I was like, nah, I got two more laps to cool down. I'm busy. I'm busy. I got cool down laps to do here. And so missed it. He leaves. Drink's still sitting there. I hop out. I'm like, I missed that opportunity. And you know what I mean? You know when you know. I knew. Go to change. I'm in the locker room. Come out of the stall in the locker room. And Andy's there getting his gear together. I'm saying, hey, man, did you... Did you have a drink by the pool? Because then I have a second chance at it. I'm like, totally Jesus. Get to redeem myself. I said, did you have a drink at the pool? He goes, oh, yeah, little protein shake thingy. And uh, and I said, oh, that was yours? Okay. Do you want me to go get it? He's like, yeah, yeah, that'd be great. So I go get it. This is this is how, this is how like, at times I get frustrated myself. This is me going out of my way. People listening in and going, dude, you have major problems. <laughs> I do. I do. It's part of, like, if you're familiar with a like, working genius, it's just it's just helping people in the way they need to be helped directly. Like, I, I would sit down and, and brainstorm him a, a better strategy on, like, his gear and that kind of stuff. You know, I'd spend two hours because that's just my sweet spot for serving people. But just to, to, at times where it's inconvenient, my time is crunched on working out, like, just go get his So I went and got his drink and gave it to him. You know, I was like, dude, we did a little fist bump. I was like, good job swimming today. You were very impressive. And so I did the fist bump, and then he went, like, all three. Like, I held my hand out, and then he went yeah. low. He went low, and I was like, oh, we got to go down, up. Okay, we're doing the whole thing. <laughs> oh, okay. It was great. Um, and so I met him. Like a, like a. So I went out like this. If you're not you watching. Like a, yeah, so if you're watching video, I went, like, to do a fist bump, and he went low. And then so I was like, oh, I got to come down, and then I got to, and then we got to yeah. yeah. Got to tune on YouTube to see that <laughs> awesome handshake. If you're just listening on Apple, sorry, man, you're missing man, out. Missed it. Anyways, it was just one of the moments. Hey, I'm Scott. It's Andy. And so he goes, I know you. You're on that video. And I don't know what he was talking about, but he felt like he knew me. Anyways. You're it, on the video, man. I don't know. Are you on the promo for the He might the be listening car? to the podcast. Yeah, maybe. Or watching church. It. Shout out Andy. Shout out Andy if you're uh, tuning in. But it was just one of those things. Like, it's it's everyday life. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Like, I missed the opportunity. I served him. I felt like getting him in the pool. God said, hey, it's his drink, dude. Help him out there. Get out. Go out of your way. Like, I'm in the pool. And it's those little things. Did it change Andy's life? No. But is it me following Jesus? Yes. Is it my responsibility just to be obedient? Absolutely. And then I love God having having a second opportunity there for me to go, yes. Uh, I don't know. That's just... That's what, hey, when we say everyday life and it's the little things and Jesus says be like these kids, uh, be more childlike, it's, it's not necessarily these major life-altering, you know, moments in, in history. It's Monday at the pool. Be, be willing to serve open-handed. This, this was, I was like, oh, yeah, this has been helpful, like open-handed, open-handed, open-handed. So anyways, that was, that was my little little story with the pool so thanks for sharing your little story your little hey, pool story you know because uh if we jump in here god's uh 
God's saying, hey, every person's equally important. I love how I love how he jumps in with Jesus telling the stories about being like kids and um he tells the story of the parable of the lost sheep. Yeah, we kinda we talked about that last week, the children's we kinda skipped over the, the hyperbole and the craziness <laughs> we that Jesus totally is did. like cut off your hands, pluck out your eyes stuff. Yes. We didn't really dive into that. Um yeah, we can. I, my only point I was making is is the story is if you have 100 sheep, 99 are safe and taken care of, and there's one gone, would you just say, well, it's fine? No. I mean, God. if you're playing baseball and you're like, 99 out of 100, we're good, right? I'm, I'm all-star. I'm, I'm everybody. Like, if you're making 99% of your free throws, pretty good. No, we're talking about people. Oh, though. yeah. There yeah. you go. Everybody's equally important to God, and so serve everybody. Don't think you're too important to serve. Um and so he's saying, hey, just as, as the story illustrates, God doesn't want any one of these kids to be lost. Everyone's equally important, kids, women, adults, Jew, Gentile, like all of creation is important. So did you want to jump into I, the hyperbole yeah, I mean, stuff? I, we don't have to. It's just it, we kind of skimmed over it because it kind of it seems extreme. It's one of those things it like is. like we talk, have been talking about throughout Matthew where Jesus is doing something, he's healing something, and then he, he says this. He's still... Um, it's easy to kind of go, whoa, where did he go from there? He's still talking about this idea of, of humility and equal and love and care. And then he, he dives into the idea of temptation around that, right? So he's talking about that everybody's valuable and then the, the damaging part of tempting people. So I, specifically, as he's talking about lowly and people who are less valuable, if, if we are using our life and maybe even our resources and our platform uh, to tempt people and look down on people, and then there's this sinful attitude that comes from it. He just speaks like this hardcore warn- warning. Sometimes we take this out of context. We say just he's just talking about you and sinning, which, which he is. He's talking about sin. But the the context of what he's talking about is that what we what you just got done explaining, and this idea of how we view people and how we treat people and tempting other people. If we look at someone, and go, you're not valuable. So like get away from me, and I don't care how you live your life, and I don't I don't care what you do, you know. That's the emphasis in the the platform in which he addresses this kind of extreme nature. It's more of a relational context. Well, it is a relational context yeah. more than I'm just by myself and it doesn't matter if I sin. It's just me. I'm just getting infected. You're saying no, no, no. Jesus is saying it is a total relational thing. Yep. And again, he repeats the use of the idea of the stumbling or falling into sin, into sin, and that's indicating like his concern for us, for his followers, um, is that there's this sensitive regard. Uh, for other people and a, and a vulnerability for other people um, and that that's his emphasis and uh, all throughout this and we'll dive into some more of 18 and even 19 Jesus is flipping the kingdom ethic on its head and Matthew was really approaching it from a Jewish perspective of this is what you thought the kingdom of God and following God and being obedient to God and the rules were and Jesus is raising the bar to an exponential level that's so far beyond what you thought a quote-unquote good person was that he's saying the kingdom of God has so much more regard for the value of people than you have ever done as a Jew. You thought it was, again, a man, and he gives value to his wife, and you work hard, and you have money, and you have stuff, and these pagans, and these Samaritans, and these other nations are, are trash. And Jesus is like, nope. And that's that would have been a, a very foreign concept for people. For a Jewish man to beg, it's not my concern whether those people are sinning. 
I don't care. And if I'm tempting to the sin, it doesn't matter because I'm good with God because of who I am. And Jesus is going, man, you got to broaden your scope of the value of people and who matters and what your life is doing in a relational context to the people around you. And I think of it in the context of what we talk about here at Mission Church as a team member that he's talking about emotional health. Like you have to understand how your words, actions, and attitudes affect the people around you and not just the people you like but the people you don't like. See, that's the total Jesus thing. Like, yeah. love, love everybody. Yeah. Oh, the trolls on Twitter. Yep. Uh, the neighbor I can't stand. Coworker that annoys me. Like, yep. everybody, everybody. Yep. It's the way of Jesus revolutionizes everything. And sometimes we lose sight of, because we're like, oh, that's my world. That's my context. That's kind of normal. Not normal. It's only normal because it's the kingdom of God. Uh, the influence of God in our lives through Christ and What's happened in our culture? It's like, yeah, you should care for the people around you. Yeah, that's Jesus. Craig, do you have and thoughts again, on this? And, well, yeah, and again, in the the context here is still children, all the way through to the, the beginning of the parable of the lost sheep. I, I know that the principles apply in a broader context to all our relationships. I, I understand that, but he's being very specific here. This is kids. This is how much kids matter, and this is how much kids should matter to us. And when he says what he does about your hand or your foot or your eye, cut it off or gouge it out, he's talking about that, of course, metaphorically. He's not advocating bodily mutilation, but his point is that's how important kids are, and that's how important how seriously I take the way you treat kids. Yeah, uh, and, and the language that he's calling, the language that he's using is calling his followers, his disciples, to dramatic action when it comes to sin. And when it comes to our relationship with other people. And that's when he uses this hyperbole. And he's focusing that the priorities of the kingdom demand this decisive action. And so that's why he uses these things like, no, you're worried about these things, but you're not worried about how you treat other people. You're not worried about what you're doing in life and how it's tempting other people. You're looking at children or other people less valuable and not worried or concerned about them. But this is a big deal. And that's why he uses this language of, you know, mutilation or, you know, a, a large rock around your neck and jumping into the sea. Like, this is a big deal, and it demands you think differently about this now. That This is of utmost importance. Like, this is the type of extreme measures. And Jesus does this many other places, and we've talked about it in Matthew, to get them to go, oh, like, you're serious about this, Jesus. This is a big deal. A little bit of an aside here. How do you know it's hyperbole there and not couple of verses later when Jesus says, hey, if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it'll be done for you by my Father in heaven. How do you know the millstone and the gouging of the eyes cutting off the hand is hyperbole Jesus teaching? And then this statement about agreeing in prayer and asking God is not hyperbole state because you guys would both agree. That, yeah, verse 19 is not hyperbole, but the other stuff is. How do we know that? Well, you've opened up a pretty good can of worms here. Okay, you got uh, 90 seconds. Exactly. <laughs> you're on the clock. Because um, well, I think for people listening, you're like, well, okay. or so, maybe you're trying to help someone. They're like, ah, not everything in the Bible is true. We shouldn't follow all of it. Like some of it's just made up or suggestions. Yeah, it, it, it's a very good question, and there's a lot there that could be said. And a lot of the, a lot of the differences in the various streams of Christian thought, you know, the, the, the different movements and different the theological positions that people take have to do with whether or not they take this or that metaphorically handle, or literally. Handle some poisonous snakes. Exactly. I mean, there's, so there's all kinds of examples of that. But, but to avoid getting too deep in the weeds, I, 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 I'm 
I advocate for simple principles when it comes to Bible interpretation. So, for example, I heard this years ago. If the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. And if you just you read it at face value, it makes sense, then you don't go looking for d- deeper meanings or whatever. Now, the idea of cutting off hand and feet, and that doesn't make sense. So then you apply another principle. And then the other principle is that um, Scripture interprets Scripture. So is there anywhere else in the Bible that that kind of thing is advocated? Well, only in Jesus' conversations or his um, sermons where he is making the point you know, that he wants to get your attention and he wants to make sure you understand how important this is. But we don't see that anywhere else advocated. Paul doesn't advocate for that. Peter doesn't. There's no other instance where, you know, we could make a case for that. So it's not supported by other scripture. Um, There are other principles having to do with context and culture and language. And so when, when you're interpreting scripture, you have to take it in context, read the verse above, the one below, the paragraph above, the one below, understand what the whole book is about. And we, we get on to some of that here in the podcast. You just mentioned the fact that Matthew has a specific audience in mind, and so he writes what he does with that audience in mind. It's important to understand that. But just very, very um, simply, in this case, uh, I would say, in, in regard to the principle of scripture interprets scripture, what does the scripture tell me about the character of God? Not just in one place or two places, but just throughout scripture. And, it, and is a literal interpretation of those verses consistent with the character of God? Not a chance. So th- those are the kinds of things that run through my thinking as I come to the conclusion, this is metaphorical, the other is not. Yeah, and Jesus, again, if we read what he says, he doesn't say, hey, Scott, I saw, or you know, to, to his disciples, hey, Judas, I saw that you're stealing. Cut off your hand right now. Like he's, he's, he's using this as an illustration. He said, it would be better for you. He's using this type of language to understand the dramatic nature of which we should go against making decisive decisions around how we live our lives and how we sin. So there it's not. And, and then the other one, I, I'm glad you bring that up because I was going to ask you guys the same question just about how you read that. Because I think the danger in that, and there's some circles in religion that would go, hey, if two or three agree, like, like Scott, you and I come right now, let's agree that Mission Church is going to get a million-dollar donation today. You believe that? I believe that. In Jesus' name, Craig, you too, that's three. We're good. Amen. We sought it. Jesus answers it. Understanding the context of what Jesus is talking about there. He's talking about a relational context. He's talking about the, the judgment of others, which we've talked a ton about on this podcast. See previous episodes on Judge Jesus, um, right? And it's, it's not a text that's like, like a, a carte blanche, like ask Jesus anything and you get it. Um, he's assuring the Christian community, he's assuring the church that God's presence and his resources are available to a church that exhibits a united prayerful concern for the welfare welfare of one of its members. That's a quote I read, Scott, just in case you want to know. I don't know you who wanna, said it, but I read the, it this week. Cite the credit. <laughs> I could. There's there's a copy and paste button here that would give me the context. Yeah, no. Um, and th- th- this this commentator, who I do not know, goes on to say, the reason that the Father will do what is asked if two or three agrees is because Jesus is present when two or three come in his name. This uh, sense that Jesus is saying is, if you gather in my name, I am there, and my presence will lead you to the Father to support your request. Um, so it's this theme of this relational dynamic that Jesus is talking about in coming together for support of relationship. And uh, I don't think he's using, it's not the same context, it's not the same kind of hyperbole if we understand how he's speaking and what he's speaking about. And the theme there is all in this context of continuing even what he says with the children, relational 
health and understanding how what we do is affecting other people. Yep. Um, parable of the lost sheep, yeah. again. So specifically, Jesus is talking about children in that parable as well. Because in, at the end of that parable, it says, in the same way, it's not my heavenly Father's will that even one of these little ones should perish. Now, the principle of the 99 is applicable, and it's, and it's taught elsewhere. Um, uh, Luke, Luke 15. Luke 15, there you go. I was reaching for the memory banks there. And it, it's the broader context in Luke 15, but here it's specific to children. And, and in so doing, Jesus is advocating. He, he's not only advocating on behalf of children, but he's advocating on behalf of the Father. He wants the disciples, he wants everybody that's listening to understand the Father's heart. God doesn't want anybody to be lost, not even one person. And, and in the in Luke 15 uh, example, we have the other brother, right? who is kind of bitter and cynical because so much to do is made over the his brother when he yeah. returns but but that, that that's instructive to us we ought to be like the father rejoicing over the one that was lost that is now found and the other thing that it tells us about the father is that um, he's active in his pursuit of lost people uh, and i i think in the church today we could stand to turn the heat up with regard to our intentionality in pursuing lost people. I mean, there are lots of good examples of things that people are doing, but but I think we've gotten a little lackadaisical. We've gotten a little sort of, yeah, kind of take it or leave it. Hey, evangelism's great, but I don't want to get too pushy and shove Jesus down people's throat. And, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that swirls around that topic. But bottom line is that's still God's heart. Jesus came, he said of himself, he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Yeah. To seek means to be active, to do something about it. So when we do something like, like we do in our partnership with Trent Elementary, for example, in the UGM camps, that's intentional, that's specific, and that's seeking after people that don't necessarily know Jesus to help them find and follow him. This podcast is a specific example of that. And I, I think far too often Christians are content with, hey, you know, I go to a great church, I got a lot of great Christian friends, I work, you know, with some Christians uh, in this ministry or in that uh, enterprise, and the 99 of us are pretty happy with the blessings of God in our life. Life is good with Jesus, and there's not a lot of intentional thought, sometimes anyway. There's not the kind of intentional thought about the one that's not there. There's more focus on the 99 that are. Mm -hmm. And to your point earlier, that is a theme throughout all of history, God's desire for every single person to be in a relationship with him, to be made right with God after the, the fall. Like, that is undeniable yep. through all of history. You just look, and God's like, turn your hearts towards me. Be with me. I just want to be your God. Like, don't have any other gods. Um, we desire God's... Did we talk about it last week or a week before? You know, God's timing, we think he's slow to keep his promise to return. No, he's not because he's patient. Cause That's he wants Peter, to, yep. Yeah, everybody to return. This story here is is the same theme throughout um, all of all of history. It's like God wants everybody to be with him. And I think, I think it is, uh, Dad, Craig, whatever your name is here on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's crank it up with some radical love, loving people clearly and undeniably uh, all people everywhere, and we do that through using our life and our strength to serve one another, to have open hands. Yeah, I mean, I joked about it earlier, but that that statistic game was like, man, if a if a 
you know, if a shepherd only lost one sheep, if he was working, you know, a dangerous territory and he came, he only lost one. I mean, he's still got 99 sheep that, you know, can provide for his family that he can sell their wool, all this kind of stuff. Like, not a big deal. Right. And you think about like, man, I shot 100 free throws. I only missed one. That's still pretty good. But the value that Jesus no, is that's saying, really good. If, if we're talking free throws, okay. you got to you I mean, I'm pretty good. For, no, I'm pull that one outside. OK, if I. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I can't. Yeah, just anyway. stick with people. Okay. Right. Yeah, that, that, that he's up in the value. Like, no, people even won. And he's using the context of a shepherd because the shepherd is going, yeah, like that one sheep is valuable. It's That's financial and there's a relationship there and all that kind of stuff. Jesus is, is ramping this up. Again, this kingdom ethic. You think like, ah, you just lost one. Not a big deal. The value of that relationship of that person jesus is trying to again we talked about it last week with the little ones and children and understanding the value the people who society didn't give value to jesus is is upping the 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 way that we view how many how much value people get across the board right. it's like me i have three kids if i lost one of them i wouldn't be like yeah i got two more. i got two more Probably if you had like 15 or 16 kids, you could probably be like, yeah, one, I don't know. I don't even 18 know. 18 kids and counting or yeah. whatever it is. How yeah. many do we actually have? I forget. There's always neighbor kids. So um, I think, I don't, I'm trying to think if I've really heard this this way, but it struck me um, this way. And so maybe it's helpful. This uh, The happier part, verse 13 says, you know, if a guy owns it, and obviously talking about the father's heart in Luke 15, that greater context of God's actively seeking us and wants everyone there. It says that uh, verse 13, that the owner, the man who owns the sheep, is happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. And I don't know if, if people have maybe heard this teaching or people have expl- explicitly said it this way, but there's more value to the lost person than the people who are currently here. And that could be misunderstood because they're happier about that person. Well, they're not happier, meaning they have more value. They're happier because they were lost. The 99 were safe and taken care of and in the fold, literally. But like, you know, talking about spiritual sense, they're already in the kingdom of God. God's heart is breaking. So I think sometimes that resistance to let's pursue the lost, like, well, what about me? I have needs. I have issues. You know, I need an back to who's the greatest. Like, wait, let's care for my need before we go looking at the neighbor's need. You're not serving me well. I've heard that before when we use some resources to go outside of our uh, Mission Church family in context. What, you know, even in taking care of our own facility, we'll like help some other facility or some other. They're like, hey, hear people like, well, what about the stuff around here too? Like, yeah, it's all, we're not saying this is more important than that. It's never either or, it's both and. Yeah. That person's not more valuable than the people here. Correct. So the 99 get all upset, like, well, that person's going to get attention or their story's going to be told, and I don't really have a story yeah, to I, share. I've heard this many times, and to it's your a, point. it's a value of people thing, and that's not what God's saying. No. It, I've heard this many times over the years. Well, why would you send a mission team to that country or that nation or overseas to do this thing or that thing when we've got those needs right here in Spokane and right in our own church? And it's not either or. It's both and. It's... We, we want to serve and love and evangelize people in our own community. We want to do the same thing in other places around the world. And, and so I, I think that sometimes in people's thinking, there's a, an unnecessary and false dichotomy. Yeah, that, I mean, the, go back to the Luke 15 mode. That's, that's the religious, like, that's the other brother's response. Dad, why are you happy for him? Like, I've served you so well. You know, the, para, the, the lost son, this, like, why you've never, I don't feel like you've ever loved me this way. You never threw me a party. 
and it's going. I know my. I love you the same, but the 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 excitement and the joy and and the celebration because what was lost is found. I mean, in heaven is rejoicing over that, and so that that it's not a value system on who you are. But yeah, there is celebrating and joy in that lost being found, and how big of a deal. Back to your point, Craig. How big of a deal that is, and how often we don't focus on it. It's like oh, we're good here. We got enough people. I don't want our church to get any bigger. I don't want our small group to get any bigger. I don't want this because, you know, I'm good and I like it. Well, right. What about the lost people and what about the people that need to know the love of Jesus? Well, right. But then that would make me a little uncomfortable. I, I want to circle back around to this intentionality in seeking after lost people and the idea of raising the 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 level of intensity or intentionality, the level of, of uh, strategic. Uh, strategy, strategic thinking. Were you going to say strategy? I almost said strategy, and I looked at you, and, and you, you <laughs> and then you looked at me, and you go, like, I'm "That's not gonna, a made-up word that, that he is. says all the time." And I got better grammar than that. I'd be more better there than is, Scott. Yes, strategy. <laughs> but but it's a good word. You did. It is. It, it is kind of a fun well. word. <laughs> That's too funny. Um, anyway, so the the intentionality seeking the lost. What what does that really mean? And and you mentioned two important parts of that. Um, let's, let's crank it up in terms of loving people and serving people. And Jesus made that statement that we, uh, you know, we embrace so, uh, so uh, enthusiastically that by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That is how people know we're his disciples, but that isn't the message. That, that isn't by itself enough for evangelism. Jesus also said, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, how do you make a disciple? He explained it, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In other words, instruct them, teach them, give them truth, give them an opportunity, and baptize them. Well, who do you baptize? You baptize people that have given their hearts to Christ. Um, he, in, in um, Mark, the end of the chapter there, go and preach this gospel to all nations. He says in Acts chapter 1, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts. What do witnesses do? They go and they tell the story, the story of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news of Jesus' sacrifice. And so I, I think we need to, historically, in, at least in recent decades, there's a lot of unfortunate church history where the emphasis was on the message and not on loving and serving. But in emphasizing loving and serving, we, we can't overlook the fact that part of our responsibility is the message also. I can love you. I can serve you. I can care for you. I can, I can uh, meet needs, practical needs in your life. But I'm, I also love you enough to share with you the message. The message is that um, there's no other name under heaven by which we must be saved, Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, Jesus died for your sin. He's inviting you into a relationship Will you say yes to him now? There's, there's a point at which uh, a response to the message is necessary. Now, I know, I know historically we've, we've done a lot of preaching, we, the church at large, in recent Well, you have. Decades. You're old, so you've done a lot of sure. <laughs> messaging. We, 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 can, we can say that if you want. Um, a lot of emphasis on the message and not, not a lot of love and maybe not a lot of serving either, right? So there's been sort of, there, there's an unfortunate history of sort of self-righteous, look down my nose at you, preaching of the message of the gospel without any real love and care or service to the, the same individuals that you're preaching to. And, and I get that. That's, that's been unfortunate. It's out of balance. It's not what Jesus advocated. But when he says, when he says by this you'll, all men will know that you're my disciples, he doesn't say that by this 
the message will get out. He says, this is how they'll know you're mine, and that will give credibility to the message, which I also then want you to share. That's what he says when he says, go and preach, go and teach, make disciples. Yeah, but I mean... Are rabbits without ears. Yeah, Mike Kingsley, shout out. Uh, well, we should... We probably don't have to reference yeah, it. My dad said all that. We may have said it on the podcast. When I no, always no. say, yeah, but. We have to keep citing Mike Keith. When I was though. on. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I would say that that's, that's a holistic approach of that. Like, what is that? That That is what it means to love people, right? Like, that is the message. You're, I, I hear what you're saying. You're not separating the two, and sometimes we do. Uh, like, that's what I would say is like, no, that is loving people. Sharing the good news and the message of doing those things is how you love. Right, it's it's not separate. And we would go, oh no, I just love people. Like, yeah, but how are you loving people? Are you going after the one sheep? Because that shepherd who goes after that sheep is that's the ultimate example of his love and care for that sheep. It would be unloving for him just to be like, nah, you're good. I got ninety nine others. That's not the loving thing. That's to do. Shrek. Right. You can't leave him out in the wilderness. <laughs> yeah, Shrek the sheep. Like, yep, you Shrek look at sheep. me like you have yeah. no idea. Shrek the sheep. Love is the message, and the message is love. And it goes, it's all together. James says, you know, is it working by serving and loving people or is it, you know, faith in God, like love and faith and this idea of, well, I got to tell people how great God is and how much he loves them. Well, you should do that with word and action. Is it that, is that the message? Yes. Well, what if I just do action? Hopefully they'll figure it out on their own later. Well, that's not loving them real well. What if I just tell them a bunch of words and then not love them by serving them, caring for them? being empathetic, showing up, well, that's not doing it either. Jesus had compassion on people. He healed all of their sick. He sat down with them. He showed, showed them in the scriptures about the Messiah coming. He said, that's me. This is what it means. Who are, you know, If you've seen me, you've seen the Heavenly Father. Uh, and then he cared for them, and he taught them, and then he loved them, and then he fed them, and then he taught them, and then he cared for them. And then he died them. for them. Yeah, so it's just this, this holistic approach, and it's not one or the other. And it's Correct. A, it's a constant... Following of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Is it, Scott, get your butt up and go get a drink off the pool deck and hand it back to Andy because you missed the option, you know, opportunity one because you're a knucklehead and you're too self-centered at times because you got a workout to get in, which I was not I was in the cool-down mode. It was the easy. Okay. I'm just trying to be <laughs> transparent on the podcast. Oh, yep. You get frustrated. I'm just, you get frustrated with yourself, It's right? okay, Scott. Okay, thanks. No, we'll yeah. give you a pass. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. God and I, we worked it out. He, okay, he gave good. me another opportunity. But it is. It's both. The message is love. And you can't be void of loving people and say, well, God loves you. Well, I don't experience that from you. Oh, okay. That'd be hard to communicate that message. But then if it's just like a social justice thing, without there's the good news and the story. Yeah, of I guess that's God. the reason I, I, I make the point that I, I did. And I, I totally agree. It, it's all the above. It, it's all those things. It's a whole package. It's a holistic approach. It's, we need to understand all of that. All of that is, a, is part of what it means to seek, to love, to serve, to, to share a message. Uh, we can't do one without the other or we're not really doing any of it, right? So I, I get that. I, I agree. However, um, in our world today, you know, I'm thinking about recent conversations I've had. Um, There's an emphasis on, well, I just, I love people, and so that's good enough. Uh, The message of Jesus dying for my sins and my need to be born again is really, really not that important because I love. And you might offend somebody. Then you might have some conflict in life. Exactly. And, And so 
I appreciate the point that you made that part of loving somebody is telling them the truth about who Jesus is and what their response should be. And, and that's, that's the only point that I made, w- want to make. It, I can love people, care about them, serve them. If I never get to the point where I actually share with them the truth, I haven't really loved them as well as I, I need to. Yeah. And which is what he gets into at the next section. And I don't know how much we need to hit this because we've had we've a whole podcast. We've got to tease it. Yeah. Um, well, we've, we've expanded upon it in depth in some podcasts late earlier episodes and in messages um but this next part that he gets to is the exact same thing again we like to separate out what jesus is talking about by the nice headings and the verses and the chapters he's still talking about this relational dynamic of loving people and how we should treat people with the way that we do forgiveness which with the way that we do how we deal with offenses this is the loving thing to do is to deal with offenses well and to do it the way that jesus does and again he's flipping the kingdom ethic on its on its head, even Peter's response, all this kind of stuff. Like, you've heard it. Like, this is what you've always thought, again, to a Jewish audience from day one of how you deal with people who are knuckleheads, as you said, Scott. If someone's offensive and does something wrong, you have the right to shun them. You have the right to disown them. You have the right to push them out of your community, to want nothing to do with them because they were being a knucklehead and they were wrong and you were right. And for me, I'm like, yes, I love being right. And if you're wrong, you're on the other side of me. And Jesus is like, it's not that way in the kingdom of God. That's not the way God intended it. That's not how we do things in the new kingdom, in the new covenant. We love well, and we treat people well. And so we deal with offense as well. Well, I don't know. That wasn't so much of a tease. That was kind of it. There you go. Yeah, and again, we, we've dove into this a ton with our judge Jesus and we unpacked it here on the podcast. Yeah. What does Matthew 18 mean? Why do we do it this way? What is the broader context? I spoke a message just a few months ago on this. Uh, yeah. Dealing with conflict and then it, forgiveness. And there's a story of forgiveness and how much forgiveness we should have with one another. And Jesus answers Peter and says, unlimited, like you've yep. been forgiven. Yep. And back to the, to, to the law of Christ, what is it? It's to love one another as Jesus has loved us. So that's the in action and forgiveness and mercy and grace and mm-hmm. communication about yep. the good news of who God is and uh, the totality of who Christ is and therefore requires a response from us. Like, yeah. who is And they, they would have seen Jesus do this. And again, I made this point out of our open this Sunday that to be to follow Jesus means to be like Jesus. And so his disciples who were literally following him, standing behind him, doing what he did, he's, so they see him bring a little kid to him and go, we're valuing these. And so to be like me, you do this. And they're like, well, we, we talk to kids. These and treat them. meaning kids. Yeah. These. <laughs> these little sure. ones. We Short value people. these these, items. We value these little, little ones is the way he said it. We value these types of people. We value the lowly. And so they would have said, if we want to follow and be like Jesus, that's what we do. And so I made the point on Sunday to follow Jesus means to be like Jesus. And to be like Jesus means you have to be a servant. It's, it's what he did. So same thing in this context. What he's saying is to follow me means to be like me. And to be like me means we forgive. That's what Jesus did. And so for us as followers, I think this is a big one. Like if I'm following Jesus, I'm going to try to be like Jesus. If I'm being like Jesus, that means I forgive. And that's really hard sometimes. But what Jesus did in forgiving, and that's what he said to Peter. How much have I forgiven you, dude? Oh, well, a lot. In, in this instruction about correcting another believer, um, I, I, I just want to point out what, for me at least, is a bit of a speed bump. And, and it has to do with the conclusion that he draws um, in the steps. So f- first he says, you just go to them privately, and then if, if they don't respond well, then take another person with you, and then finally go to the, the larger group, the ecclesia, the church. 
Um, and then if the person still refuses to listen and won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Now, this is the same Jesus who hung out with tax collectors, who chided the Pharisees for them treating tax collectors and pagans as second-class citizens. But he's saying here, then, uh, if the person you're trying to discipline doesn't respond to any of the steps that you've taken, then you should treat them this way. I'm not sure what to do with that. That's a it, it seems a little counterintuitive to me, and yet I know that that I know that there's a balanced understanding of that. Now, before before you respond, I just point out too that in Paul's letters to the Corinth church, believers in Corinth, he told them he said in that situation where the guy was sleeping with his um, father's wife, it wasn't his biological mother, but his father's wife. He said, you, you are tolerating this. You need to deal with it. Put him out of the church. And so they finally do. In his next letter, he says, hey, that guy you put out of the church, he repented, and you're still treating him poorly. Receive him back in. You guys were out of balance first time and then out of balance the other way the next time. And they had to be corrected in both ways. Uh, November 20th, 2022, deal with it. Uh, Pastor Kyle Kingsley spoke a message. I'll send you the link. Uh, I, I dove into this because I think it's fascinating. But I think specifically there's, Jesus is setting up a, a way in which we can create boundaries for ourselves and we can distance ourselves from abusive relationships in a way that in this steps, he's saying there's still ways to be like Jesus and to love while setting up boundaries for yourself in these abusive relationships to where in each step, there's a continuing amount of distance and safety for you as a follower that's setting up for yourself that he said. And if there's, um, he ties it to forgiveness. It's not that you're not forgiving them and not loving them well, but they're not listening. You've followed the steps. There's a place where you need to distance yourself from those relationships. Because even when Jesus hung out with tax collectors and pagans and stuff like that, there was a wisdom and a, and a step of, I'm not doing what they're doing, obviously, and I'm not allowing myself to do these things, but I'm loving them and caring for them. There's still a sense of forgiveness there, which why he why he ties these things together. But he th he's talking about how do we deal with this in a safe and healthy and wise way, which is very rare for us to actually do. We're yeah. not doing it with wisdom. We're just like, we have one of two extremes. It's, I cut you off, I hate you, I'm not forgiving you, I'm not going to deal with it, I'm not going to love you, or we just let, we get used and abused. And I think Jesus is trying to help us understand, like, it's not an either or. Yeah. You can have a healthy balance of setting up boundaries for yourself yep. and being wise and not being abused, um, but also love and forgive and deal that, with it. That's well said. I appreciate that, Kyle, very yep. much. I have a question for you two. Have you ever seen a church do some kind of public... Um, step like this where they said this person refuses to uh, respond to discipline or correction and so we're putting them out of the church i've heard plenty of stories way too many of churches trying to do this publicly and they just hurt people and damage people and create confusion and it's just a train wreck the way that it gets handled have you ever seen it handled well no i, I just wanted to respond I'm, I'm going to pause on that question i just want to respond my my take on this situation you know, to your question, like speed bump. Uh, two things. One, we're not Jesus. And, we and aren't? I, and I, I don't what? mean that flippantly. To your point, Jesus, whenever he, he showed up to a person or a community, a small group, a dinner party, he was the influencer. His power and his love, his holiness transferred to people. He was, he was not influenced negatively by others. Gotcha. His heart was, had compassion on people. So you could say, oh, that's an influence. He saw them like sheep without a shepherd. So when he shows up, 
to hang out with tax collectors and sinners at a dinner party um, or, or, you know, large group, he's influencing them. And it wasn't like inner circle or best friends hanging out all the time, people. So there's different, whereas like this is a highly relational environment. So if someone in your small group offends you and you go to them after small group, say, hey, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I was pretty hurt when you said that. So were you meaning it this way? Because that's the way I heard it and took it. So, and if they're like, oh, yeah, dude, you're an idiot and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and they're like, I don't need to apologize to you. I don't need to churn from my ways and do anything different. Like, oh, wow. And you can't work it out. Then you grab two or, other, two or three other people that were in that small group setting. Go, hey, as the uh, direct community that's affected by this, will you guys come and we're, let's have this conversation because they're not listening to me. And then if that person's like, screw you, and I don't have any responsibility in this, and I'm not at fault, it's like, okay, we need to get the larger community because this person is unwilling to turn from their ways, admit that they're wrong, own any of it. And if the larger community has a conversation, they're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not at fault. There's no need for my heart to be turned. That's a toxic person. That's a harmful person for your community. And so to continue to tolerate after those relational steps have been taken in order to heal and restore relationship, if you allow that person to be in your community with like, well, they're just going to be here and being toxic and we're just going to tolerate it, uh, not, not healthy, and yet, I, not I, okay. I take it your point is that they will negatively affect the group rather than the group positively yeah. affecting them. And the, they're the, not the designation right. of, of pagan or tax collector, and another commentator I read, the to- I don't know who. You don't have talked, to cite them, talked, it's okay. Talked about the idea that, that in that context, that would have meant they have already aligned themselves with this way of life and this way of thinking, and you've tried to help them understand, like, hey, that's not okay, and so that that's a cancer to our community and our society, and they are choosing through their words, actions, and attitudes I'm aligning over here. Which and, is not the way of Jesus. Which is not the way of Jesus. And so Jesus says, you need to you need to distance yourself from that because they're trying to corrupt you and say, this is okay. And you're saying it's not. And it's, hey, is this just me that it wasn't that way? No, I'm going to bring somebody else. They agree this is not okay. Now the whole group of us believe this is not okay. They're still not saying that they admit that. So, like, yeah, there's got to be some sort of we got to deal with this because you are aligning yourself over there and you will not choose to come back. But we still love them and we want them to come back. But but if they're unwilling to turn to the way of Jesus and let him change and transform them, then it's really hard. Paul says in Galatians, hey, if someone is tripped up in some sin, like you should restore them gently and humbly. But be on guard because you guys are all like sheep. You're vulnerable. So if you get in mixed in with this and that person and really in the details of what they've gone through, you might get tripped up too in a temptation, which is inevitable in Matthew 18, right? Jesus says, temptation's happening. But you are human. You might fall into that same temptation and going, hey, no, this is okay to treat people this way or to do this action or to look mm-hmm. at that thing because they were doing it. That's good. You got to be, yep. be on guard. So. And then I'll directly answer your question. No, I've never been a part of something like that. And I pray to the Lord Jesus I would never, ever be a part of something like that. Again, gently and humbly, the way that this is done, I think we overemphasize the power of the church, quote unquote, the pastor. So we read something like this and we say, if I have an issue, I got to go to Kyle or Craig or Scott because they're the church. It's a misunderstanding of the community of Jesus and the authority that God has given us as his church. Um, When I hear people say they got kicked out of the church, I'm always skeptical because what does that actually mean? But there are state places where that actually happened. And I think it's unfortunate that that we have, what does that even mean, and how is that done well? It's 
most of the time not done well. Talk about opening a can of worms at the end here, Craig. We don't. I got lots of thoughts on that. <laughs> we can tease it for I've next had, week. I've literally had two conversations this week about that person getting kicked out of church, and another one where it was just one hot button sin issue that one person would highlight in certain people's lives, make them get up in front of the church and communicate their one hot buttons and no other sins. And with not other people, it's just, anyways, like, and and how decades later that is still hurting and traumatizing some people. Yeah. And so, the helpfulness we'll, of of how that works. Yeah, that's we, that's my point in asking the question is it's not uh, Galatians six restore a person in a spirit of gentleness. It's hurt a person in a spirit of self righteousness. Correct. So many times. But we shouldn't, and again, we got to land this podcast <laughs> plane, but we shouldn't then, therefore, well, it's been done wrong and it's been abused, so therefore we shouldn't do it. Just swing the other way. We should just point, not yeah. at all yeah. address sin or have some sort of boundary or, hey, you offended me. I don't I don't have to turn from my ways. I can do whatever I, no. Okay, so well, let's not have those hard conversations. Let's avoid it because it's been done wrong or that person's story says they were hurt, so let's just shrink back and not do it. No, let's do it the healthy way. Yeah. And it's difficult because there's emotions and relationships and stuff, but the more we look back to Jesus and how we do it well, I think will help us be better as a community in those relationships and constantly diving back into Matthew 18, constantly looking at these ways to do it right, and will help us be better as people. All right. Well, the only way I know how to do that is to follow Jesus each and every day. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, Just make it a great week. Be in the light and love of Jesus everywhere you go uh, every day this week. So we'll chat with you real soon.